Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today, especially here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest with us, I invite you to come back at least three times. Maybe you're here uh, in person or you're watching online. Uh, If you are brand new to our church, we highly encourage you to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, is I know that when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. And my hope is that you would come back and hopefully find spiritual family, especially after today. Uh, Pastor Jason already mentioned it earlier. This is a little bit of a unique service. I know this is like probably if you're a guest and you're like never come to church because they'd be talking about money, this is that Sunday. And so, uh, hey, guess what? We do this one time a year. Everybody say one. One time a year. And so uh, it's all good. And if you are a guest, this is not for you. So guess what? You don't have to participate. In fact, I'll do one better for you. You could come to this church your whole life and never give one time. And I will love you and I will help you and we will be your church and you can have a great time. So just know it's not about that. Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. All right, pull the wall down. It's all good. All right, it's going to be a great. We're wrapping up our series today called Vision. Everybody say, Vision. And the reason we're talking about that is because God mentioned to us in Scripture in Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs has been our kind of verse for the series. And Proverbs is a great book on wisdom. And uh, it's kind of like how you live life. And he says this. He says in Proverbs, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. How many of y'all have ever had that moment where you're walking around, the lights turn off, and you don't know where you're going? you got to feel along the wall. Anybody had that moment recently? Right? It's just like that because if you don't know where, where, where God is going, He is the light. In, in our lives. He's the light. And if you don't have God in your life, it's like walking around in the dark and you don't know where he's going. We stumble. It's easy for us to stumble. But he says, if you attend to what we reveal, we're most blessed. Or other translations say, if you see what God is doing, like if you see he's doing something, if you see what he's doing, you're going to be so blessed. And you need to know this. The church is not dead. The church is alive. This church ain't going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I just heads up like the pandemic did its best shot. And so like it just is what it is. We're going to be here. There's going to be a local church. There needs to be a local church. The, I mean, how many all know, like, what we need in the world? Look, government won't fix it. Politics won't fix it. The world's not going to fix it. If, the, if God knew that we needed somebody, and he would have sent a politician. That's not the goal. The goal of life is to get God in our hearts so that we can actually have transformation in our souls so that we can go transform the world. And that's a vision. And so God talks to us about that. In fact, he mentions it. We've been using Exodus chapter number six as a backdrop of how God grows people. How many of y'all know God has a way of growing people? You need to know this. You have a way of growing the kids that you had in your life. Like you have a way. There's a way you feed them. There's a way that you put them down to bed. There's a way that you grow them. They develop a certain way and they look just like you. And some few that's a good thing. And some of you that ain't no such a good thing. And that's what they invented counseling for. And so now they have to fix all the ways that you developed your kids. God has a way. Everybody say a way. And in Exodus chapter 6, he mentions it with the children of Israel on how he's going to grow and develop them. It's how he grows and develops us. And this will be used as our backdrop. That's really where we get our vision, our know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. That's biblical. That wasn't a cool catchphrase where we were like, hey, let's put something cool on the wall. And then we have like a vision now. No, no, this came from God. I'll show it to you. Exodus chapter 6, he says, therefore, say to the Israelites, this is God responding to Moses. He's saying, Moses, tell the Israelites this because they're freaked out and they don't know that I got something I'm doing. I got something I'm doing. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. He says, step one, the number one thing for all of us is to do is to know God. You were not born saved. As holy as you think you are, you weren't born that way. You had a decision to make one day 
Or you were like, God, I welcome you into my heart. I now live for you. There's a relationship formed there. I now know God. That's a first step. We call it the cup of sanctification, that God does what he does. He, he walks in, and he actually walks through a, wo- a moment where he knows you and you know him. Then he goes, now that I got you out of Egypt, and he goes, then I'm going to free you from being their slaves. And, and he goes, so now you're out of Egypt. I'm getting Egypt out of you. Because how many of y'all know you can't have your future without dealing with your past? And so most of us, we get stuck in this. I want you to know, as a pastor, I've seen it for years. We almost all, all humankind, when it comes to Christians, we get stuck in step two. Because step two is where you have to confront your junk. And when I preached about that two weeks ago, and I, I like, no one amened that message, by the way. I'm like, you need to deal with your past. They're like, you're like, mm. Move on to the next step. I'm doing this step. Like, what, what, and, we want to, and we skip the step, but the problem is you can't really do three and four without dealing two because it's a step. You, a lot of people do the leap. They do one to three, but you don't deal with two. And what happens is you get to three and four, and you jack up those steps, and they make you go back to step two. God, you're like, God's like, you're not in step three. That's why you're not doing it well. You don't know your purpose because you didn't deal with your past. And we got to get Egypt out of you so that you can walk into the promised land. Come on, somebody. And so then he says, I'm going to, I'm now going to free you from, then I want to bring in, I want to redeem you with an outstretched arm. So last week we talked about this step. We talked about how God, okay, it's not just getting you to know God. And then it's not just getting you to get all that mess out of your life, getting the past and getting your hurts and getting your pains. Then he wants you to reveal to you your true purpose. And the way that he does that is by redeeming you. So he takes what the enemy meant for harm and he transforms it and he renews it and he redeems it. And just so you know, the redeeming means to restore back to its original intent. So he was telling the Israelites, you were making bricks without straw, which is basically a meaningless life. That's not why you were created. So now I'm going to put you back to what you were originally created to do. So he gives you hope for your future. Then he says, here's the whole point of all this. Today's message. Today's message. We finally get into verse seven. It's taken me three weeks to get to through verse six. Isn't that crazy? Talk about people like, we need to teach the Bible. I just taught three weeks on the same verse. All right. So anyway, and so number seven, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And then you know that I'm the Lord, your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He says this final step. I want to make you, I'm going to have you make a difference. All these steps are leading to step four in making a difference. With that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord. Today, you have a word for us. We are not here on accident. Today is Miracle Offering Weekend. There's going to be miracles in our life, not because we gave, because you are a good God, period. And I know that today you have a word for us truly uniquely. Even though I prepared a message, you have a message for us. Holy Spirit, speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Several years back, there was a movie uh, that came out with Sandra Bullock, um, called uh, The Blind Side. It's about football. Anybody ever seen that movie? Raise your hand if you see, if you're watching online. Okay, you've seen The Blind Side. If you don't know anything about The Blind Side, the movie is about a, uh, an off- offensive lineman who named Michael Orr who want- goes on to play for the Baltimore Ravens, and he comes from a terrible background. He comes from um, uh, poverty. He comes from a, a drug-addicted mom. comes from a dad who was not there, who winds up dying while he was a teenager. Uh, just comes from a terrible background. I mean, everything you can, you can think of to stack up against you in life, he started there, and, and he gets kind of pseudo 
adopted by this family who uh, wanted to give him a better life. And there's a scene inside of the moment when he enters into the home and the, the wife, the mom, is walking through with Michael, sharing him in his room. She's saying, this is your alarm clock. Here's your dresser drawers. Here's your clothes. Here's where your, here's your lamp. Now you got a rug. Here's your bed. He goes, she goes, you got everything you need. And he stands there and he goes, this is all for me? And she said, yeah, yeah, this is all for you. And he goes, he, he goes I've never had this before. And she goes, what, a, a room to yourself? And I'll never forget it. He says, no, a, a bed. He said, I've, ne- I've never even had a, a bed before. I thought, I thought I was just getting a bed. I'm getting more than I, than I bargained for here. That's how we are with God, by the way. We think that when we give our lives to Christ, that all we get is eternity. We think, God, well, at least I'm, I'm going to make it to heaven. We think that it's our salvation is only fire insurance, right? Like, well, just in case, if there's not, if there's a heaven and a hell, I would prefer to go to heaven. So I might as well just be in relationship with you. Some of us treat God like a, he's like a get out of jail free card, right? And so we, we, we have cheapened the gospel in the local church to only getting to heaven. But that's just step one, that God not only gives you the bed and the room and the lamp and the door and the rug and the clothes. He gives you the house and he gives you the the family. He gives you the family so that your purpose can be fulfilled. Michael's purpose was fulfilled by that family. And it wasn't because he got a bed. He got a family. And so what the, what the Jewish people do, even to this day, with the Jewish Seder, when they celebrate the fourth cup, they call it the cup of celebration. Do you want to know why? They drink the fourth cup of wine every year in the Passover, in the, in the Jewish celebration with the Seder. And they drink that because they celebrate being welcomed into and celebrating the mobilizing of us in his family so that we get to our purpose, so that we make it to who we are supposed to be. So that we don't stay at just knowing God and then finding freedom and then discovering our purpose. No, no, no. There's a step in actually getting to our purpose. That you and I have to actually move towards our purpose. But the only way we do that is through it's God's way. It's spiritual family. That's how he does it. So, so when, they, when they drink, they drink in a celebration to the God who saved and rescued the Israelites. Who continues to save and rescue his people to this day. So if that's true, for us to make a difference in this world, we as a church need to have a strategy to make sure that you do that. Here's our strategy. How do we help people do that? We want to provide environments for God's people to do the work of the ministry. Now, I mentioned last week, Ephesians 4, that my job as a pastor is not to do the work of the ministry, even though that's what it seems like. Because you would think I'm a professional Christian, right? Like, pastor, if you're a pastor, you got to have like a professional Christian title, and you have a special red phone to God, right? Because you're a pastor, That's not true. And if it's true, I have not got that phone yet. (laughs) In fact, Martin Luther brought up a, 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 he was a great reformer in the uh, 17th century, uh, 16th century, actually. He talked about this idea of what we call the priesthood of the believer, that you and I are now a part of God's holy priesthood. They mentioned that in 1 Peter, but, but, but Martin Luther, he, he, he nails the 95 Thesis onto the Catholic Church's doors as a symbol of understanding that we, we no longer need a human 
mediator between us and God. We did for years. In the, in the Old Testament, under Levitical law, there was a mediator needed. But then Christ comes along and becomes our, 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 our final high priest, he's mentioned in Scripture, that becomes the final mediator between us and God. And in our union with him, we now have a connection to God. So that's our eternity is now bridged by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I know there's a lot of theology there, but you need to understand that when you enter into relation with him, more happens than just your eternity. And he says, now you're entered into the priesthood of the believer, or, or first Peter says it like this. It says in first Peter, go ahead and put that scripture up. He says, you also are like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a what? A holy priesthood that we are not just our own and we are not just average people. Your priesthood that you have the ability to go do the work of the ministry and to go make a difference in people's lives. You and I should not wake up every day just wanting to just run around in a circle or just to live and just to do things and just eat dinner and just eat lunch and go to work and come home and go to work and come home and go do this. No, no. We're called to make a difference. And specifically make a difference in three main areas of your life. Jesus actually mentions this in Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 8, when he was walking through the new church, the New Testament church, as they start in the beginning. He says this, he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, here's the mission. You're going to go reach people and to build lives, and this is where you're going to do it. You're going to do it in Jerusalem, in the local city context, and you're going to do it in Judea and Samaria, which is your region. Now it's the outward circle. And then he gets said, guess what? And by the way, the rest of the world. Now, the reason he said that wasn't to be redundant. The reason he said that is because you need to be focused and strategic on where you are making a difference in your life. The first one he mentions is Jerusalem. You need to know this, that it's your family. Yeah. It's that those who are closest to you. Jerusalem was the city. It's the smallest area of influence. It's the areas of people who are closest to you, see you all the time and see you every day. That's your family. There's a great story in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus um, heals a demon-possessed man. This man's full of demons. He has this miracle moment. Changes his life. The guy goes, hey, Jesus, I'm following you. Wherever you go, I'll go. You changed my life. I want to go make everybody else's life better. I want to help you. You would think Jesus said, come on, let's do it. This is what his response to was this guy. But Jesus did not allow the man to go. He said, go home to your family, the people that are all closest to you. You tell them about what the Lord did to you. You tell them that the Lord was good to you. He says, before you figure out how you're going to pastor the world, you need to pastor your family. Now, your first ministry responsibility is to pastor your family. Husbands, your first ministry responsibility is to pastor your wife. No, you pastor her. I can't talk to her. No, no, no. You pastor her. Ladies, you, you pastor your husband. You pastor your kids. You pastor your family. You pastor your relatives. You love on them. You grow them. You disciple them. That's your first area of ministry. It's your family. Our responsibility in that is not to take over your responsibility. It's to partner with you. So when you bring the kids to the kids ministry area, you know what we don't do? We don't say, all right, no problem. We'll make sure they're Christian when they leave you, when they come back to you. Don't drop them off and be like, make sure they love God when I pick them up. No, no, no. You should be doing that all week long. We just come as a partner and reinforce the values you're already teaching them. You see how that works? Like, don't bring your husband up in here and be like, you need to get him saved. He needs to be right with God. You need to fix this, man. You better hurry up. I'm on my way out. Good luck with him. 
No, no, no. We, we, we don't take over your job. You, be, 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 you got to be a godly woman. You see what I'm saying? We partner with you in accomplishing your ability to make a difference in your Jerusalem or your what I call your family. Number two is this, is Judea and Samaria. This is your friends and acquaintances. These are those that are around you. These are people that you know, you kind of know, and the people that you do life with, and the people that you drive by, and the people that you know on Facebook, and the people that you just uh, seem to have, uh, you somehow you're a friend to them, Right? Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. You, you know, if you checked out, bump them, wake them back up, because I want you to check back in. This is important. Galatians is, uh, is Paul is writing to the, the church of Galatia. He's trying to get them to understand. We have a responsibility as Christians to people in our world. He says this, stoop down. Reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens. And so completes... Christ's law, if you are a Christian and you love the Lord, your primary responsibility for your friends and acquaintances and those who are around you, and yes, those people on social media who don't seem to agree with you, you are called to reach them too. It is not your job to make sure they vote right. It is not your job to make sure they're in the right political platform. It is not your job to make sure they see things the way you see things. It is your job to stoop down, to share in their burdens. Stop trying to prove to them their feelings are wrong. I think Christ had it best. He said, just bring them to me. The closer you get them to me, all that stuff gets worked out. You're too occupied. The news and social media make you weird out about fruit. God cares about root. He said, you're going to cut off that fruit all day long. And then what's going to happen? More is going to grow. And then you're going to be frustrated and you're going to be irritated and you're going to spend your whole life arguing with people on Facebook about how they're wrong. When you weren't called to do that, God called you to stoop down and I want you to share, share in their burdens, which means you step into their world a little bit and you go, I'm not here to make sure you know my opinion on this and make sure you know I'm right and you're wrong. Because I start, I see Christians do that. Oh, listen, you're wrong and I'm right. So let me love you. It doesn't work like that. Start with, I love you. How can you, what does love require of you? When you start there, then all the other stuff seems to get itself worked out. And you can't truly love Judea and Samaria, which, by the way, were the people they hated. Samaritans were hated. Like, hated. Go back and read it and research. I could spend all day and talk about the Samaritans. They were hated. He said, you got to go love them. So, so, so he, he didn't say to Judea and Samaria with all the people that you agree with. <laughs> I wish he did because there's a lot of people I don't agree with. It'd make my life easier. He didn't. He said, actually, you need to stoop down and learn how to share the burdens of the people you hate. And everybody's uncomfortable. <laughs> Dramatic pause. So, yeah, you got to go. You got to go love the Republicans. Sorry. Oh, and then you got to go love the Democrats. Yeah, Sorry. You got to go love all those people that the world tells you to hate. And by the way, you're being discipled too much by news. Turn it off. You watch it too much. You look at it too much. You don't read this at all. And then you watch that. And then you wonder why you don't look like this. And you look like that. That wasn't even in my first message. Number three. Ends of the earth. He said, well, this is the world we don't know. And what's, you know what's hard about this? I don't know if you guys do this or not, but like when you read things like Mark chapter 16, he says, go everywhere in the world. 
He says that. Like he literally says in Mark 16, he says this, go everywhere in the world, Jesus said, and tell the good news to everyone. I don't know about you. The first thing I talk about is like, I don't live in the world. I live here in San Antonio. And I have a life here. And I have kids here. And I have my, I, you know, my parents are here. And my wife is here. And she might want me to leave, but I don't want to leave. And so, you know, I, I kind of have a life here. How am I supposed to go reach the world and live here? That's where your local church should come into play. So you should be a part of a local church and a body that does more than things that just have to do with this little world. More than Jerusalem and more than Judea and Samaria, it should be the, the world. That you and I should go and reach the world. I'll give you an example of how we're doing that this Christmas. We, our staff, every year we sit down, we talk about, like, how can we, like, do more every Christmas? Because every Christmas, we, we, you know, we help sponsor some families in our church. That are, we try to take care of our local families because we know there's a lot of hurting people. And so we do, we do that on regular basis, help kids and, and all that stuff. But we said, like, let's go to the next level. So we did Operation Christmas Child this year, right? So we're doing Operation Christmas Child where, where we get to, like, we did, like, 200 boxes last year or something. Something crazy. We started off with, like, 40 the first year. Then we jumped to 200. I hope we do, I hope we double that this year. Like, if y'all don't have to take a box, you got one more weekend left. Take a box or get a little shoe box and put something in it and wrap it up and bring it over here and make sure we have it you don't need to pray about it God already said to do it you're welcome so we're going to do that this year then we're going to write holiday cards to the Air Force trainees we've been asked uh, from our military to go help bless them and love on them and so some people who can't go back home and can't go see their family and friends how many of y'all know that would be a blessing to someone to get someone to know that they're praying for you and they're with you and they're a part of you we care about our military community we care about our veterans we care about people who care about us and sacrifice for us come on we can do that so we do stuff like that. And then we're doing a toy drive with the Boys and Girls Club. And don't be the religious Scrooge who walks up and say, well, make sure there's a Bible in all of those. No, sometimes I just want to give a toy away. Sometimes it's about giving a truck. Well, make sure that you write Jesus on it. No, no, no. Sometimes it's okay. It just says Tonka. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Look, if they know that the church loved them enough to give them a gift, they're open to a lot of things I could tell them. Stop it. Punch you with the Bible. Anyway. <laughs> but we're doing all this stuff in the Christmas. Why? Because we care about our world. So we're partnering with people who in our world so that you don't have to go to Pakistan. Because there's already an organization there in Pakistan, one by one, who's literally rescuing children every day out of slavery. And they do that because you already give. The ends of the earth. The ends of the earth. Why? What's the point in all this? The summary, to summarize, of all of this today, of all this step. Here's the summary of today. Everybody put your hand on your heart. Everybody online watching around, just put your hand on your heart. Humor me for a minute. God, Say this when me. Say, God created me, God created me to, make to make a difference in a spiritual family. Spiritual say it again. God created me, God created me to, make to make a difference in a spiritual family. Spiritual now listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now today. We're going to take a transition. We're going to move into a moment. I'm going to share with you my, my portfolio, our portfolio here at the church with Rise. And on your seat, I want you to pull this out if you can. Go ahead and pull out one of these packets, and I want you to look at this. Um, this was prepared for you in advance. There's a few things in here. Number one, everybody will get a magnet today. This is our vision, and so you can walk through, know how we got, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. You can put this on your uh, on your fridge, and you can look. This is our, our strategy on how we reach people. Number two, um, you're going to see inside of this, you're going to see a packet. You 
You can go read this at your leisure. You can take it home. We created this for you so that you have this. But really, I want you to pull this out. This is our, our vision portfolio kind of at a glance. It looks like a rat card just like this. I want you to pull it out, you and your family. I want you to look at it. I'm going to go through it. I want you to know what you're giving to vision this year. Last year, we put up our vision for $600,000 that we were going to use to actually move into our next permanent space. I'm so proud of you. We're about halfway there for that. We're going to roll that into this and so you know what our final need uh, is today. But I'm going to walk through it a little bit one by one just so you can kind of see what you're going to give to today. Local, first one is this, is local missions. Local missions, we, we desire, we want to raise over 6000 this next year, $500 a month because we believe that God has called us to reach our local missions. This is our city, our local world, really our Judea and our Samaria. We take the Bible seriously. We believe that this city is our responsibility. It's not the government's responsibility. It's not another organization's responsibility. It's a local church's responsibility. And so we take it seriously. We already partner with four different local missions organizations right now. Thrive Outreach, Immersion. We have a local church ministry here and then a Ransom Life. And so we already have those. This year, we want to double it. We want to double it. We want to add four more. And what we want to do specifically in these areas, we want to do it in foster care. We want to do it with, uh, with, with some of the homeless and the outreach that we want to do. We want to do it with substance abuse patients. We want to help people get better this next year. You are a part of a church that's going to do that, whether you give or not, but I pray that you are a part of it. Local church missions this next year. Next, we're going to do world missions. We're going to be partnering with our world missions partners, and we're going to go to, we want to be move our, our giving. This is on top, by the way. This isn't total. This is on top of what we already give, which is close to $10,000 already. So we want to add $12,000 this year in giving to our world missions partners. Now, we already have four partners that we partner up together with. Firm, which is Fellowship of Israel-related ministries, which, by the way, you should care about Israel because God cares about Israel. You should care about it. Children's Cup. One by one, an ARC Association related church was a church planting organization that we're a part of, which I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. We want to add six more world missions partners this year. Not four, six. We want to double, we want to more than double it. And we want to get into building wells uh, in different parts of the world. We're going to get into child sex trafficking. We're going to get into women check sex trafficking. We want to get into actually preventing some of those things that are atrocities and affronts to God. And you know what? You can be a part of that, and we can be a part of that. Why? Because we can partner together with organizations that already are there fighting it right now. So we're going to double that and we're going to more than double that and go to our next level. We, we believe in the kids ministry here at Rise. We believe that we're going to give over this next year $5,000 specifically we want to raise for our kids ministry. How many of y'all know we don't actually give to kids ministry simply because we think it's a great babysitting organization? We don't babysit your kids back there. We teach them the word of God. We disciple them. We believe that God is with our kids, and it's our responsibility to do that. So we want to, over, over this next year, give 5000 specifically to our elementary class upgrades. We want to actually take our elementary class experience to a whole nother level. We have a big plan and a big vision. We want to create a space. We want to have their own system and unit. We want to be able to add the environmental upgrades for all of our kids in there to be able to take everything up to another level so that your kids are blessed. Our youth, how many of y'all love some teenagers up in here? We're going to do this next year. We're, we're going to give $16,500 towards our teenagers here at, at, at Rise. We're going to launch a Wednesday night youth experience that's going to blow people's minds. I'm an old school 10-year youth pastor, by the way. My youth pastor, when I was a youth pastor, we were reaching 1,500 kids on a Wednesday night in California. 1,500. We opened up a $10 million youth facility. We, we invested in our kids. We know how to do it. It's all a matter of time. It's getting the right people in the right places and have the right investments so that we can make sure your teenagers, they're, by the way, they're not the past and they ain't the future. They're the now. They can lead right now. They will lead in this church right now. This will happen. 
God's going to do some amazing things this next year, and it's going to be amazing inside of our youth ministry. I want them to be able to do outreach projects, get inside of some special areas for count. Um, uh, for coaching uh, and really develop them in leadership developments and different types of conferences. I'm telling you, there's going to be this next year for youth. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. God's going to do amazing things. Church planning. This is a box here, about 43,000. Why is it so much? I want to tell you right now, we are actually helping three specific churches plant this next year. We're sponsoring them. Like we're partnering with them. That's not all they need, by the way. By the way, just so you know, on average, a great church plant that if you're going to be a life-giving church and plant like we did, you need an average of $200,000 to launch. That's a lot of money because you want to do it well and represent the kingdom well. We're going to sponsor three churches. I'm going to tell you who they are. This isn't random. These are imaginary people. Freedom Life Church in Naples, Florida. We're going to help sponsor them. Two Rivers Church in Springfield, Missouri. We're going to help sponsor them. I'm going to send church in Chula Vista, California. This guy's, this family, they're launching a church with two languages, English and Spanish right on the border. I'm like, I can't even really speak English good and, and good and right. I need help. These guys are doing the war, changing the world. We're, they're going to go plant a church, and we're going to be a part of that. We're going to make sure that they do that. Which, by the way, most days, most days when I, uh, we, a lot of our, that's going to include our local church planting on this side of town. I was in a, uh, a, a coffee shop the other day working. I work out of a coffee shop on a regular basis, and because uh, I like, I like being around the people. And this guy walks up to me and he goes, "Are you Pastor Aaron with Rise Church?" I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Man, I, we've been following you guys for two years since you planted your church. Just God's doing is is just amazing." And Man, I, I just wanted you to know we're thinking about planting kind of right next to you guys, right in your area. And, and man, I just wanted to know if that, if that was okay. I was like, well, first of all, I'm not the gatekeeper to our side of town. That's number one. I said, but number two, I was like, yes and amen. How can we help you? Here's my number. Here's our staff's number. Here's Pastor Jason's number. Here, whatever you need, you call us. We'll make sure it happens. Oh, and by the way, we're going to write you a check. In tears. Because how many of y'all know... A vision isn't a, vi a vision without provision is a fantasy. And so we're, we're about the local church because the local church is the best investment in the world. We want to know why? Because once we invest in a local life-giving church like this, then all this other stuff goes, don't talk to me about dividends. Why? Because God takes it to a whole, a whole nother level. We're going to invest in our facilities here. How many of y'all would like to see us help upgrade the Pedrotti's Ranch area and bless them and love on them, get our bathrooms updated facilities and bless on them? We can do all that. That'd be great. We have a line item for that. And we have a line item for our final one, which is really kind of our next steps for weekend services and the things that we want to do inside of the weekend to upgrade our experiences, the screens and different things like that. I mean, tell you, there's God's going to do amazing things in this next year on top of our permanent facility. We're going to have a total need of about $550,000, and I believe God's going to meet that need. He just, he's already done it before once, so I have no fear that he's going to do it again. And my prayer right now is that you would think about the why behind the what. I want to give you specifics because some of your areas of heart, your heart might be pulled to certain areas like this. I want God to speak to you on your behalf. Why are we doing this? I'm going to show you one story of the why behind the what right now. Check this out. Walking in and just being walked on like the whole path. Yeah, Everybody saying hi, shaking your hands, pre-COVID, right? We were shaking each other's hands and it was like just the smiles and just the warmth. The first impression was like blown away. First thing he says, try us three times, three times. And so I kind of looked there and I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna do this three times. Like, <laughs> this is number one, right? After the service finished, I was like, okay, no, we gotta do Sunday too. 
and we did it Sunday two, we did Sunday three. After Sunday three, we were like pretty much like, okay, what's next? Which was next steps. Next thing I think after we did those next steps was maybe a week after we had the groups. Uh, the family dinner. Oh, the family dinner. Yeah, I'm sorry, the family dinner. And the family dinner was awesome. Oh yeah. It almost felt like a Thanksgiving. I mean, it was just nice just to have people that you didn't know, you felt like you could speak with them and be honest and just be open. And we just got to make, you know, new connections. And then of course, then we had um, the next step, which was the group Sunday. And we made a lot of connections from there that kind of just... Yeah, that's kind of how we got connected even more and knowing what a spiritual family really is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just a friend that you can just phone call. It's literally a spiritual family. A recent loss, recent loss in the family for Elijah and um, Rise was there to step in and send them some cookies, but even something so minimal like that, to know that a church um, is thinking about you and praying for you, like to him it meant the world, and he was just so happy to know that someone is praying for me. Here on the weekend, Eli was with us, and we were just family night, just watching movies. We were actually playing Monopoly. I think that's what it was. We were on Monopoly on the PS4, and um, we were sitting on the couch, and I got a text from Elijah's mom, and. She asked, hey, can I talk to Elijah? And I said, well, yeah, sure, what's going on? She's like, it's about his aunt. She has passed away, which of course was a, it was devastating for myself because I, I knew her, but I also knew what I was gonna do to Elijah because that was Elijah's favorite aunt. I mean, she's the closest to his age. So she came over that night and um, Elijah went outside to, to speak with her and me being, you know, curious, I went to the blinds to see, making sure my son was okay with the news. But I recall just seeing Elijah just... He just hit the floor. It was just heartbreaking. Because I knew, again, how much she, she meant to him. But I just remember just holding him. Well, the most of the night, I held him. I didn't go to work the next day just because I wanted to make sure he was okay. I think we started talking. Angela came and kind of sat with us. We were in the uh, upstairs. And uh, and just as we were talking, I think that's when the door, doorbell rang. Again, just through the spiritual family, that's when um, you know the, the spiritual family and the church just extended out their heart. And they sent Eli uh, a box of cookies with some ice cream. And of course, we right upstairs and we gave it to him. He was kind of like, what's this? Like, who got me cookies? And so we explained to him, we gave him the the, the little gift card or the little card that was there, a little note. And he read it and he was just kind of like, there was a smile after all the dryness. He does not want to show his emotions or express his feelings. So just to see his smile at that time just meant a lot. I don't even think it was the cookies. Yeah, it was the note. Over the next weekend, um, he actually called us and asked us, like, is there any way I can come to church with you guys? I said, well, you know, talk to your mom. We can make arrangements. He's like, because um, I want to say thank you. You know? Yeah, that Sunday, he was just, he was so excited. He just wanted to go, and uh, he couldn't wait to see his spiritual family. And that's the way that he described it. We didn't even, I don't think we ever even given him those words. It was just him knowing that we've, I think, talked about 
our, our groups and spending time with our teams and the spiritual family, but for him to mention it that way, that weekend that he went back to his mom's house. He took the cookies with him. He took the cookies with him. He actually took the cookies, the note. That night they were having the, uh, the tribute to her. He actually handed out the cookies, and of course everybody asked, why'd you come home with, with the cookies? And he actually mentioned that it was his church family who had sent him um, on their behalf to basically say they're, they're reaching out, open hearts and praying for the family and you know, they're in their thoughts. And so I think even for the family, I know his, his mom mentioned it to me on the phone call. She, she was crying on the phone telling me thank you um, just for knowing that Eli has family. And she didn't say just like our media family, but she meant it, church family. And just a thing to everybody, I think everybody knows who they are. They have poured into our family or to um, specifically our marriage or uh, to our kids. And thank you, I mean, from the bottom of our hearts, because I mean, it's just- It's definitely changed our lives. Rice just really means a lot to us. I mean, it's, it's completely changed not only our lives, um, our marriage, it goes back to the same prayer that I prayed almost two years ago where I I basically made, I know it sounds horrible to say it, but that bargain with God, right? When it was like, hey, like you and my family, we'll serve, we'll do whatever you ask us to do, but just fix what's broken. And, you know, as for me and my house, we were so the Lord. Like I, I literally, I remember praying that. And so now seeing it to fruition and actually willing i think as a man taking the first step to say hey god here we are okay this is church this is home okay um what's the next step and then taking that next step and then what's the other, the next step after that and i think doing those baby steps which have been baby steps they've been little by little and even in two years it just goes to show you that when you really truly like trust god with your family and put it first to serve god he takes care of the rest and everything has really been taken care of the rest. I mean, we're blessed to have a spiritual family. I think that's kind of the fruits of it is that when you do um, go into a place where you can get involved, when you can serve, when you can connect, the fruits of it is that there's gonna be people there to connect back with you and to bless you, to bless you and be able to give back to you. Even when they might not or you might not be able to, to give, they're still gonna be there. Um, so I think it just goes back to that now that we can, I think we can truly say like this house, like our home serves the Lord and his blessings will just come in whatever, you know, shape and form they, they might. Eric and I planted this church about two years ago. And I remember talking with her before we planted, you know, and our, our heart was not to plant a church that, you know, and I don't think we ever talked about just like, you know, we want, to be the best thing ever or anything like that. We just really wanted to create a place where people could come in, where lives could be changed, where husbands can be better husbands and better fathers, where wives could be better wives and better mothers and kids could grow up loving God. And, and we just wanted to build, we didn't even know it before, but we wanted to build a spiritual family. And that's just one of the stories where I think God is doing something inside this place so precious and so unique. And so we're gonna take a time that just right now that we do every year, um, where our staff, uh, my wife and I, uh, we've all done this and we've all walked through this and we want to give you an opportunity to do that. And so we're going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to pray over everybody and I'm going to pray over the offering that we're going to take today. Um, we, because of COVID this year, we don't pass the buckets. 
But um, we'd love for you to do two things. Number one, we're going to put up on the screens the ways that you can give online. As you're watching right now in here, you can give through your cell phone um, and give online. Or, you know, our website's very mobile friendly. You can give right now towards Vision. And when you go to it, you can hit the drop down button towards and actually highlight Vision. Even if you give to the general offering today, uh, all of that is going to Vision. Every dime that's coming in today is going to Vision. Even us as a church, we're giving where it could go to general fund. It's not. It's going to the Vision offering. We're going to making sure all these things happen. Um, and so we're going to do that today. And you can do that online. And uh, we're going to do that in just a moment. And then once you're done giving, after you're done praying and having that moment, everybody has one of these cards on their, uh, on their chair. And we'd love for you as a family to take this card, pray over your gift that you're about to give. Take a moment. Pray that God would magnify it, multiply it. Ask him what you would give and um, go ahead and take this card. Even on the back, it shows you how you can give. And then take this card when you're done and walk it up and put it in one of these three buckets. Um, we're, we're, that's what we're going to do. And so me and my wife, we're going to go over there. We're going to pray after this prayer moment, after I pray it. And then when you're done, when you're done praying over with your family or if you're by yourself, you're a family of one. That's okay. You pray over it. God will bless that. And then you bring that up and what you're going to do. If you feel... Um, do not feel pressure. That's not what this is about. Um, I'd rather you not give. I'd rather you pray and God would speak to you and give. Um, but if he does, follow him and obey him. I, I pray that in your life. If you're a second kind of person in here and say you want to give, but maybe you can't right now. Maybe you believe that God's going to bless you in some way, that he's going to bless you to give an amount that he's asked you to give. I want you to pray over that card and I want you to bring it up as well. So I want you to come, even if you can't give right now, but you're going to put it up. I want you, as an act of faith, you walk it forward and we bring our gifts to God. And so we're going to do that together. And uh, right now, if you can, will you do me a favor and stand up on your feet? And uh, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray a special prayer or blessing over our offering. And then I'm going to end it with the traditional prayer blessing over the Seder. And every year in the Passover, the Jewish people, they take that at the end of the Passover, that through the fourth cup they drink, they pray this special prayer over their lives. And I'm going to pray this blessing over you at the end of my prayer. When I say amen, I'm going to walk down there. You pray with your family. And when you're ready, at any time, come up. And when the band is done, I'm going to come up and I'm going to pray us out of service. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God. Lord, I thank you that today, Lord, you are doing a work in this church. You're doing a work in this ministry. Lord, what an honor it is to be a part of your local work. This is a privilege, never a burden. And I pray that everyone in here under the sound of my voice, everybody watching online right now, would take their own unique personal step in giving towards your vision for the next year. God, I pray that someone right now, God is giving the, we're getting the courage to give. Maybe this is your first time that they give to something like this. I pray that you would give them the courage to take out a step of faith. I pray that every gift we give would be a sacrifice. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. I pray for a sacrificial gift, God, that would bring about great blessing and a great harvest for not just this church, but for this world. We don't have a vision for our church. We have a vision for your church and your world. These are your people. This is your church. You're going to come out and bring a, your blessing on this life right now in Jesus' name. And as we wrap up, I'm going to pray this prayer, a blessing over your family right now. May the God who parted the Red Sea for the Israelites as they fled Egypt are any obstacles in your life that would hinder your freedom. May you taste the exhilaration of not only your salvation, but also your deliverance from besetting sin. 
May you drink in the pursuit of your deepest dreams as your Father redeems your life and reveals your purpose. And may you savor the overflowing fulfillment of belonging to his family forever and ever. Amen.